Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Coming soon or not at all, President Trump's latest stance on military action in Syria. Plus... Trump's pick for America's next top diplomat and enters the hot seat. And another alleged affair about the president, another secret payoff, another problem for the White House. This is the State of America tonight. We're, we're having a meeting today on Syria. Now we have to make some further decisions, so they'll be made fairly soon. He's now back on Twitter clarifying uh, that maybe they're not coming as soon as people thought. Director, congratulations on your nomination. Senator, if I'm confirmed, I will raise my hand and swear an oath to defend our Constitution for the seventh time in my life. The president is now the focus, apparently a subject, not a target, of a criminal investigation. I'm Kate Baldwin, live in New York. To our viewers watching around the world, this is State of America. Tonight, deadline passed. President Trump promised he'd make a decision about how to respond to the suspected Syrian chemical attack by yesterday. And what do we hear today? He's still deciding. We've done a great job with ISIS. We have just absolutely decimated ISIS. But uh, now we have to make some further decisions. So they'll be made fairly soon. 24 to 48 hours has now become fairly soon. Count this now as exhibit, I've lost count, of the president making and missing his own self-imposed deadlines. There may be a very good reason that we haven't heard anything yet. But remember, it was just yesterday that he tweeted this towards Russia. Russia, get ready. Missiles saying, Russia, get ready, that missiles were coming. And then one day later saying this could be very soon or not so soon at all. So... Clear as day or clear as mud. No one knows what the president will decide, even though he said missiles were coming. The problem, perhaps, right now is if he backs off of that, he puts the allies, the French and the British, in a very difficult position because they have been very adamant in recent days, including, of course, the French president, that they believe uh, Bashar al-Assad's regime in Syria and Assad himself should be held accountable. No, something you can be sure Defense Secretary James, that is something you can be sure Defense Secretary James Mattis is keenly aware of. But unlike his boss, the secretary is doing his best to actually keep his cards close to his vest. We're trying to stop the murder of innocent people. But on a strategic level, it's how do we keep this from escalating out of control? Uh, if, if you uh, get my drift on that. I get your drift. Thank you. I think everyone can catch that drift, actually. It's in the U.S. interest to not get involved in an already more involved in an already vicious and horrible conflict. And to do that, a first smart step may be asking the president to lay off Twitter diplomacy. Don't you think? 
Well, speaking of diplomacy, whatever the president decides to do in Syria, it now may hinge on this man, Mike Pompeo, the current CIA director, hoping to be the next secretary of state. He faced his all-important confirmation hearing before the Senate today, and the list of immediate crises that he would be facing was very apparent from just the topics in the hearing. From Syria to North Korea, Iran to Cuba, Pompeo opened up the, in the hearing by saying he has been mislabeled all along. The story is I'm a hawk, I'm a hardliner. There's no one like someone who served in uniform who understands the value of diplomacy and the terror and tragedy that is war. Like someone who served in uniform, it's the last resort. It must always be so. And I intend to work to achieve the president's policies with diplomacy rather by sending our young men and women to war. Instead, in what seemed a direct rebuke of the administration's posture toward can the State Department staffing until now, Mike Pompeo says he's, he's a different kind of hawk. At State Department, there are too many holes, too many vacancies, too many unfilled positions. With respect to each of those positions, uh, I, uh, I, I am a talent hawk. Uh, I will find what I believe to be the best fit to execute America's diplomatic mission around the world, and I will encourage, demand, cajole them to come join the team and be part of uh, our organization in a way that can successfully deliver. A direct response there. But in one key area, he was much less direct. The Iran nuclear deal. Should the president stay in it or leave it all together? Senator. Uh, yes or no? I think no, Senator, it's not, it's not a yes or no question because it's a hypothetical. We're not at that point. Let, let me tell you. I'll the think president has to certify on May the 12th. Yes, sir. That's, that's, a, that's yet almost a month away. One question he did directly answer about the Russia investigation. Pompeo confirmed he's spoken with special counsel Robert Mueller, saying he's cooperating with the investigation. Interestingly, he and the boss seem to be singing from the same songbook there. President Trump tweeted this morning, tweeted today, that he has, quote unquote, agreed with the historically cooperative approach with regard to Robert Mueller, which was all the more all the more astonishing as it came just after this doozy of a tweet today. If I I wanted to fire Robert Mueller in December, I would have fired him. Again, I ask, clear as day or clear as mud? Well, something that got a little more muddy, you can definitely say, and messy today, the president and his personal life. The New Yorker and the Associated Press are reporting that the publisher of the National Enquirer paid $30,000 to a former doorman of Trump's during the election to stop him from spreading a rumor that the president had a child with one of his employees decades ago. A refresher, the Inquirer, is owned by one of Trump's good friends. And the paper is also accused of paying a Playboy Playmate who says she, has, she had an affair with Trump in order to keep her story from ever going public. But before we go on, we should, of course, say there is no evidence that the story of the doorman, what he told, that story, that rumor, no evidence that that is true. But here is why it matters, according to the journalist behind the reporting. This is significant, every legal expert told us, because it establishes a pattern now. This is potentially the third uh, illicit payment during the election cycle. This is about the most powerful people in the country having the ability to silence and change the news narrative at will. And speaking of powerful people speaking out, here's a good one for you. The White House budget director, he's also the acting director of the Consumer Protection Agency, he had this to say in opening remarks in a congressional hearing. While I have to be here by statute, 
uh, I don't think I have to answer your questions. Um, if you take a look at the actual statute that requires me to be here, it says that I shall appear before the Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs of the Senate. And I'm here and I'm happy to do it. Hope you weren't distracted by the Monopoly man over his shoulder. Yes, those people show up at congressional hearings here. It makes for more fun than just listening to them, except when they say things like that. You heard that right. To be clear, this is a top administration official saying that he doesn't have to answer questions from Congress about his job, one, of course, paid for with taxpayer dollars. But here's an important, not so small side note I should probably give you here. That same official was on the other side not so long ago. He was a member of Congress asking those questions just months ago. Seriously, he was Congressman Mick Mulvaney until a little over a year ago. And now he thinks he doesn't actually have to answer the questions, though he says later that he thought he would. Man, how quickly they forget. Coming up for us, Trump. Trump's pick for secretary of state is under the bright lights today on Capitol Hill. Why the answer he wouldn't give may have told us the most about what he'll do as the United States' top diplomat. The panel is next. The Senate won't be handing down their official verdict on Secretary of State nominee Mike Pompeo anytime soon, but that shouldn't stop any of us, of course, from giving our reviews right away. The panel with me tonight, Scott Jennings, a CNN political commentator and former aide to President George W. Bush. Eliana Johnson is a CNN political analyst and White House correspondent for Politico. Jason Miller is a CNN political commentator and former senior communications advisor to the Trump campaign. And Scott Mulhauser, Democratic strategist and former chief of staff at the U.S. Embassy in Beijing. Hello, everyone. Let us get to it. Eliana, a lot of major and immediate foreign policy issues that we're facing Mike Pompeo in this hearing, and if confirmed, we'll face him immediately on the job. Syria, the Iran deal, the North Korea meeting that's coming up, we think, maybe in May. Just to name a few, how did he do today? You know, he took a lot of incoming fire, Kate, and I think that was to be expected. Um, He is facing the real prospect of not being confirmed by the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, which would force uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell to bring him for a vote directly on the floor. But I do think the fact that um, there are so many pressing foreign policy issues that the president is confronting may help him if he can present himself as somebody who would... uh, be a wise counselor to the president, because um, I think if the senators see him as somebody who would uh, be a moderating force on the president, it's an overused term, that they will want to confirm him and get him in there as soon as possible. If not, um, you know, it could cause real problems for him. Scott Jennings, one of the big questions um, that he faced was his view on the Iran deal. He has been a notably harsh critic of the Iran deal when it was being negotiated. But he also wouldn't answer even... I mean, directly being asked what his advice would be, he would not answer if he'd tell the president to stay in the deal or, or, or pull out of the deal. What does that tell you that he didn't want to answer? Well, it tells me he doesn't want to get ahead of the president. And also, it's a complicated situation. Most Republicans think the Iran deal was disastrous. We're in the middle of it now. The president still has a month to make a decision. Mm -hmm. And I think they're genuinely trying to figure out what is the right answer here in light of the fact that fundamentally Republicans think this deal was bad. But also, you do have some military people out there who say, well, maybe we ought to stay in it. So I think it's wise for a nominee to an office like this not to jump out in front of the commander in chief while he's uh, considering such a sensitive matter. Scott Jennings, do you think he made, um, if, if he was 
if you if it was still if it was a question going in that he was going to get enough enough support as Eliana laid out, do you think he won people over today? I think he did a great job today. Look, I think Pompeo did a great job at the CIA. And I think that for people who uh, want Foggy Bottom, who want the State Department to have a real voice in the Oval Office, somebody that the president trusts, Pompeo is the right man at the right time. He had obviously lost confidence in Tillerson. We need the State Department fully functional and fully uh, represented in the Oval as we tackle these issues. And Pompeo can do that with this president. That's why he needs to be confirmed. But Jason, still on the Iran deal, I get what I get what Scott's saying, that it is complicated. Republicans hated it going in, but now that you're in, what are you going to do? But he also had no problem giving his views on what advice he'd give the president on other issues. He said very clearly that he would not, I am not advocating regime change on questions of what to do with North Korea. Why can't he say what he'd advocate when it comes to Iran? Well, Kate, there, I think there are a number of different conversations that were probably had that he doesn't want to share in the middle of a hearing. I think he yeah. wants to keep the focus really on where the what we know about what the president wants to do with his agenda. Uh, look, I think with uh, hopefully uh, Secretary of State Pompeo, if he gets through the committee and then uh, at the full floor, he's someone who I think we're going to be much better off with in the State Department. Keep in mind, the U.S. effectively didn't have a secretary of state for most of the past year. As soon right. as the president why? lost confidence You're, in Tillerson. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the, well, that's it's, the it's, why. It's, well, he was yeah, trying to deal with Kim Jong-un just on the North Korea issue. And then the tweets came coming from the president. Well, here's so here's why I'd say it's a little bit different is Tillerson never made that connection to President Trump or really what his overall foreign policy outlook was. And I think that's something that okay. Director Pompeo really has done. He's the one who does the daily intelligence briefings with the president. He's the one who's made that connection. He gets him. And so when we have... Yes. And so in and, and the understanding of the policy framework. And so when Director Pompeo uh, gets elevated and he's off in a country on the other side of the world, that leader that he's sitting down with can look at him and know that he's speaking for the president of the United States. We have to have that. And I'd say one other quick note is that it would be an absolute shame if folks voted against Director Pompeo. We need to have a secretary of state. We need to have a strong agenda. And I'm confident, knowing where Director Pompeo is coming from, that he will advocate to push against this terrible uh, Iran deal. I mean, sending the the pallets of cash to him and they turn around, sent the money to Hezbollah and Hamas. And this is bad news. We need Pompeo in there. He's going to be a bright spot for this administration. Uh, Scott, do you think that Pom- do you, would you see? Well, of course, Pom- Mike Pompeo would not be your pick um, as the Democrat on the panel for um, secretary of state. Do you think <laughs> that he would act as a moderating voice, a moderating force, as Eliana put it, on the president? So do you see that do you see him as, a, as something of a, a less a lesser of the evils? I think that's what you saw him trying to convince the members and the TV audience today. And I think they were open questions going in. And I think he was clearly playing to the cameras and playing to the panel to see if he could convince some of that. And I think there are still open questions. If you look at those members, you're looking to see if you can change minds and lock down votes. And I'm not sure if we saw members changing minds today. I think the sledding was tough. And I think the questions remain about whether he can get through. Uh, Mulhauser, sorry, that's what we always called you when I was chasing you around at the Hill. I'll call you Scott Mulhauser. Um, Scott Mulhauser, um, another topic that obviously you know a lot about, U.S. policy in Asia, I do want to ask you about. Because this actually crossed while this hearing was going on about TPP. And Pompeo was, Pompeo was like, I am unaware of these discussions, even though senators who are asking me about it. This is what I'm talking about. Senators went in. Other senators were in a meeting with the president today. They came out saying that the president has assigned aides now to look into re-entering the TPP trade negotiations. Um, 
I think everyone will remember that that is one of the first actions that the president took when he took office was getting out of that trade deal. What do you make of this? Look, it, he not only undid it, he campaigned on undoing it. So it, it's clear he needed to play to these members who have real concerns about the China tariffs. China tariffs are going to hit a bunch of Midwestern states that potentially hit them hard. And that's soybeans and a host of other crops. And he was looking to assuage these members in this meeting. Whether this is real, whether this is just rumination, uh, we don't know yet. But it's a, it's a notable change, a big one, and I think it raises more questions than it answers. And for the record, Hillary Clinton also then forcibly by Bernie Sanders, if we all went way back there, she also came out against TPP eventually. Anyway, um, Jason, but what do you make of this, Jason? Because as you were advising the campaign, you know exactly what the president was saying about TPP. Now he's saying, I let's look about getting back in it? I do. And I think obviously have not had a chance to speak with the president about right. this, as it looks like Director Pompeo didn't have a chance to speak <laughs> with about him either. But I, I think the important thing here is when the president talks about these multilateral trade deals, uh, whether it be a NAFTA or, uh, you know, TPP that he was talking about last summer. What he's had a big problem with is the U.S. getting into these multilateral deals and then not being able to renegotiate the terms on it. What I'm guessing happened no, inside said, that no, meeting no, no, is no. that he said but, he said but, that, that these, these multilateral but, deals were just bad for the U.S. Is this one of those things what, where the reason, it sure but, sounds let me, great let me when you the, run on it and then when you actually right. get into so, office you realize, ouch, this, this hurts people. So let me yeah let me let me finish the thought here. And so uh, what the president hates with multilateral deals is the situation where the weakest countries or the smallest countries in the deal are able to exert the same amount of influence as the most powerful countries and against the U.S. If they went to the president and said there's a chance for us to put together a deal where we could make sure that the U.S. wasn't getting the short end of the stick, that we're actually going to look out for America's interest, then maybe that's something he's considering. But I think right now, I think he also knows that he has a little bit of political capital. He's going to get concessions uh, on autos uh, with China. He's getting concessions going up to the 51 percent on the financial services and the ownership of companies. The big test is if he can get some more concessions on the force transfer of technology. Look, I've spent a lot of time in Singapore and Hong Kong and Beijing over the last couple of months. And I'll tell you, this is something where businesses are looking and saying, good job, Trump. Even if they're not his biggest fans, they realize he's making a real difference. Maybe he puts together a good deal with TPP. Who knows? I mean, I guess you can take that as a compliment. Good job, sir. You're going back on everything you said to this point on a major issue. We congratulate you. All right, stand by, guys. we got a lot more to come. Coming up, there have new reports of friends of the president writing checks to keep people quiet about his personal life. How an unfounded, un unsubstantiated rumor could have now sparked a real-life problem for the president. The panel is not going to run away yet. You're watching. I think you're going to be fine unless you screw this up. Let the process play out. I don't believe he colluded with the Russians, but Mueller will soon tell us. The Cohen situation, I am convinced, has got nothing to do with Russia. That's President Trump's sometimes friend, sometimes foe. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham on Fox pleading with the president in the way that has become the best messenger possible, a direct line to the White House cable TV. But will the president listen? The panel is back with me. Jason, let me start you with this. So depending on the tweet you read, the president is either cooperating or he's threatening um, to fire Bob Mueller. How can you be cooperating with a man and threatening to fire that very same man for overstepping his investigation? Riddle me this, Batman. 
Well, I think we also saw the president say today that if he had wanted to fire Mueller, uh, that he would have done so late last year. Uh, I think the president's legal team has been working with Mueller's team to try to get this wrapped up and to move forward. Uh, I do think what we saw this week is very concerning, though. I think it really seems to be uh, stepping out well past the scope of what this entire council is supposed to be. Uh, I do not That's think why that I it will be. Uh, That's why he gave well, it to I don't the Southern th- District I, of New I, York. And I, I well, no, but you could also you could also make the case that uh, that's because it's completely separate and has and Michael Cohen problems might be Michael Cohen problems and have right. nothing to do with the president. I don't think there will be any action with Mueller. I don't think there'll be any action with Sessions. Uh, I don't have any inside knowledge of something will happen with Rosenstein. But I will tell you that there are a lot of Trump supporters who say that there's a lot of uh, cause, a lot of reason for why Rosenstein should be fired. And that's simply he's the one that signed the FISA warrant. He's the one that signed the memo uh, that ended up ultimately the reasons for getting rid of Director Comey, I don't see how he isn't ethically conflicted out of this entire investigation. I think we've, you know now we're so going into attorney-client privilege. Donald Trump did uh, not is, see that as a problem at all until he decided later that it was going to be a problem when Rod Rosenstein did something against his liking. Because he was touting that memo that Rosenstein wrote all over town about why Comey should have been fired until he didn't like what Rosenstein was doing. Eliana, what are you hearing about this new Steve Bannon reporting? Steve Bannon is now telling, I'll just put it as any, to anybody who will listen, that the president should fire Rosenstein, as Jason's saying, uh, stop cooperating with Mueller, assert executive privilege on all conversations, like even if they've already been reported on and, and given in interviews, executive privilege on all conversations, past, present and future with the president. Is Trump listening to Steve Bannon anymore, do you think? You know, it's not just Steve Bannon. We're seeing other outside advisors to the president, including some Fox News personalities, um, uh, starting a sort of surround sound messaging to him saying that he should move to fire Rod Rosenstein. And it's uh, sort of a chicken and egg thing. It's not clear if they're hearing that from the president and so broadcasting that trying to support him or if they're trying to communicate that to him from the outside. But it's very clear that there is a sort of coordinated messaging going on among his outside advisors trying to drum up the idea that he should take action to uh, fire Rod Rosenstein and making the public case for him to do so. I wouldn't be necessarily surprised to see that happen because um, it's clear that there's some coordination going on here. All right, the Scots, you get the topic I know you want. The doorman, the rumor, and the payoff with the National Enquirer. Scott Jennings, if you are at the, <laughs> I see your head. If you are at the White House today, what do you do with this new reporting? Not just this rumor and the doorman and everything involved there, but the fact that as they are as folks are saying that this all now shows a pattern of Donald Trump Donald Trump's friends paying off people to bury bad stories about him during the election. Well, the the reality is there's nothing you can do about it. Number one, if I were the press secretary, I wouldn't comment on these things. They don't have anything to do with the operation of the federal government. They don't have anything to do with the White House today. So I would kick it off to the private legal team. Number two, uh, because we know these things are now probably under investigation by a U.S. attorney in New York, there's really very little you can say publicly. So, uh, you know, frankly, from a PR perspective, I think being quiet about this and being cooperative with investigators is about the best you can hope for at this point. There's really no other option, no other road here. Yeah. And Scott Mulhauser, why are we hearing about this now? Where was the oppo research team with Hillary Clinton, do you think? I think the Clinton team thought they had so much oppo they didn't know what to do with it. And I think as more and more of this trickles out, it's clear the White House approach is just to deny and and deal with the consequences later. And I think that's why you saw the Cohen offices get raided, and I think that's why they don't seem to have, the playbook seems to be just 
deny and worry and hope and pray and figure out what happens later. And that's it's what they think and it's what they do. And we'll see what happens. Do you, know, do you see how Scott Moser answered that question, world that is watching? This leads me to my final question, or I think actually my final thought, which is, where are we now in terms, I'm starting to wonder um, where the country is right now, and if we're in a new place, and what folks will put up with with politicians, or what folks are going to accept with politicians. The How does the public view personal scandals anymore? Because it seems that everyone has just given up and said they're not perfect, we're just going to accept it, no matter how many of these trickle out. I obviously went on too long, so we'll just ponder it all together. Just sit there and ponder it. Okay, good. This is day 448 of President Trump's administration. Great to see you guys. Thank you. That's the State of America tonight. Check out our podcast. And please, have a wonderful day. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.